Welcome to the Whole House Podcast, where you can find home, health, and family all in one place. Our team is comprised of moms from different upbringings and backgrounds. We each have different giftings and passions representing individual rooms, and together we are the Whole House. So grab a cup of coffee and join us for the Whole House Podcast. Hi, Kathleen Guire here. Welcome to Positive Adoption, part of my room in the Whole House. Today, I'm going to start a new series that I'm really excited about. I've been posting about this on my personal page and my Instagram page, which is Kathleen Guire, if you want to follow me. But And I've gotten a lot of feedback about this. I'm going to start today with why traditional parenting doesn't work. And then after this podcast, I'm going to do a series of what we call Instead of Tips, And there are eight of them. Instead of doing this traditional parenting, this is what you do instead. So I'll follow this podcast with a whole series, which will include eight podcasts after this, nine including this one. But I wanted to start about start with why traditional parenting doesn't work. And there's a whole chapter on this in my book, How to Have Peace When Your Kids Are in Chaos. And so if you're interested in learning more about that, then yeah, buy a copy of the book. You can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Alibris, any major bookseller. So, so why traditional parenting doesn't work with kids who have had trauma? When it comes to parenting kids who have had trauma, I mean, I struggle with imposter syndrome. I often ask myself, How can I help other parents when I couldn't do it perfectly or even well myself sometimes? Here's what we have to establish first. We must let go of the myth that perfect parents exist. They don't. There is no perfect parent. Even if they look perfect on social media, even if their Insta stories are amazing and you're like, oh my gosh, they have it all together. Not only do they have it all together, but they have the purse and the shoes to go with it. You know what? That's just social media. That's not always the whole story. So let go of that myth that perfect parents exist. They don't. And raising kids who have had trauma means a huge learning curve for us parents, especially if we've already parented our bio kids okay-ish with great results. That was the thing that really kind of, I don't know, smacked me in the face after the adoption. I thought, you know what, I've got this parenting thing down, I'm doing okay most days, I'm surviving and they're surviving. And then after the adoption, it was like all of these things were coming up, all these, I was being triggered, and my new kiddos were being triggered. I'm thinking, what in the world? Did I forget how to parent? Well, here's the thing. You can't parent them the same way. So if you were traditionally parenting your bio kids, then you have to make a change. You have to make a change. And I know my husband will be the first to say, and he will agree with this, this was really, really difficult. It was really difficult for him, especially because we were, he was raised in a very, very traditional home. And, and I was too, but I had had some trauma. And he was raised in a home where they didn't have a ton of trauma. 
So letting go of the way that we were doing things was difficult. So, and here's one of the reasons why traditional parenting doesn't work with kids who have had trauma. Traditional parenting is for securely attached children, kids who want to please. Now, what we know about traditional parenting with kids who are securely attached is they generally want to please their parents. They want to do the right thing. And they already have that foundation of connection. So traditional parenting requires a foundation of connection with the child. And even though it's a myth that as soon as you adopt the kids, like some people have very unrealistic expectations of your adoption, mostly outsiders who are not in your family, or maybe your extended family who think as soon as that child comes home, they're just going to be that very first day, they're just going to be so connected and thankful, and they're going to want to be obedient to you, and maybe they come over for a visit, and that child is melting down or hiding under the couch or running to their room and hiding in a, in a closet, all true stories of my family. It doesn't work that way. It really doesn't work that way. I mean, you think about it yourself. You know, with your own family, maybe growing up, you had that secure attachment. And whenever you messed up, you were just like, oh, man, I'm really I really feel bad. Mom and dad are going to be mad at me. Well, if you were all of a sudden taken to a stranger's home, because that's what it's like for these kiddos. Oh, these are your new parents. They're going to adopt you. You're going to stay here. This is your room. This is. This is where your toothbrush is. And then all of a sudden, these expectations of these rules and this behavior that you've never encountered before, you've never had these sorts of rules. You don't even know what the rules are. You don't even have any connection to these people whatsoever. And then all of a sudden, that particular child or putting yourself in that place, you're expected to want to please these people and to have this connection with them and to know what the rules are and to know when you broke the rules and to feel ashamed when you broke the rules. It just does not make any sense. It just does not work that way. And, you know, we like to make it sound beautiful and endearing and wonderful that these kids come home, in air quotes, and all of a sudden, you know, they're part of the family. Well, that takes time It takes time for these kids to connect to us. So since traditional parenting relies on that foundation of connection, then it's not going to work. It's not going to work with these kiddos. And another thing about traditional parenting is it tends to swoop in and fix the immediate problematic behavior. It's a short-term approach that doesn't work with kids who have had trauma. Instead, you need to take the time to consider the need behind the child's behavior and focus on the ultimate goal of connection. Connection is so important. It's more important long-term for your kiddos than it is for them to do whatever you're commanding them in that moment. Be quiet because I said so. Stop jumping on that couch right now. You know we don't do that. 
You know, all those things that we heard and probably I've said in our parenting, raising my hand here, that are short-term. And sometimes those short-term things are all about us, especially if we're in public and a child is becoming on the edge of a meltdown. And, you know, they're being verbal. They're saying things that you don't want them to say. And we want them to be quiet because we're embarrassed. That's really not a good parenting tool. Avoiding embarrassment is not a good goal to have. We're going to, we're parents. We're going to be embarrassed. It's just part of our life. And we have to remember that kids who have had trauma care more about control and survival. When a child has a disorganized attachment style born out of trauma, he will want to control his surroundings. Control will trump following instructions every time. In fact, the very thing that would make him feel more connected, he will fight. And I have heard this from adoptive and foster parents over and over and over. Why won't they just do it? And even kids with capital letter syndromes, why won't he just do that? He'll be better. He'll be safer. He'll feel warmer. He'll feel more secure. He'll be, you know, fill in the blank. But these kids will just fight it because survival trumps being willing to give in. It's such a difficult thing. And that's what they see it as, being giving in. Putting on a coat might be giving in to them. Like, I can't give in to that. So traditional parenting is not going to work there. It just won't. So um, the importance of felt safety, which is something I'll just touch on for a minute because, I mean, that I should definitely do a series on that. So felt safety is just as important and real as actual safety, even for adults. Think about a time that you were perfectly safe and you had anxiety. Everyone has something that raises their anxiety level. It could be heights, snakes, spiders, elevators, flying, or crowds. Now think about how you react to those around you when you are feeling anxious, when you're confronted with those fears. Think about how you react to people. Do you expect them to know that you're afraid? Do you, you know, like with your spouse, do you're like, oh, he knows. He knows this is difficult for me. One of the issues that I've had in my life is it's not a fear of flying. It's being on a plane that is small and claustrophobic. For some reason, and I know that stems from my childhood, riding in the back of a car going to visit my dad after my parents were divorced and not knowing where I was going. I've told that story on the podcast before, so I know what the trigger is. I know where it comes from, but I still fly. And when we're getting on the plane, I try to occupy my mind with other things. Like I tell myself, you know, thank you, Lord, that you are with me wherever I go. And I recite scriptures to myself, and I definitely have things loaded on my Kindle to read or a notebook to take notes or something to watch. Like, I know how to prepare myself because I know what the trigger is. I know where it came from. So, But I'm an adult who can do those. Children cannot. They often don't know what their triggers are. 
They don't know where this is coming from. And when they have a meltdown and they react to those things, other people around them don't know where that's coming from. And if you're following our journaling this month on the whole house, we're going to, the third week of this month, we're going to do a whole week on journaling your triggers and your child's triggers. So I suggest that you follow that and maybe try that because that will help you a lot. But back to my story of, you know, when I get on a plane, you know, once we get on the plane, it depends on your personality. Like when my husband gets on the plane, he's like, okay, we're done. We did it. We're just going to sit here on this plane for three hours. When I get on the plane, I'm like, I need to talk to someone. I need to do something. I need to occupy my mind with something else other than the fact that I'm not flying this plane and I'm in a small space. So it's it's important to, maybe you have a story like that. Maybe you should think right now, what is something that you greatly fear? How do you react to it? How do you respond to others when they're around you? Do you panic? You know, is it being on an elevator? Is it fear of heights? Is it driving in a place that you're not familiar with? Whatever it is, think of that and think of how you feel. And once you have that feeling wash over you, think of your kids feeling that way often and not knowing why or where it came from. And then think of trying to give them an instruction. Like if someone would tell me after I sat down on the plane, you know, here's your instruction. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to put your shoes on. I want you to put your jacket on. I would be thinking, no, wait a minute. I can't think about those things. I'm too busy trying to not think about being on this plane. So we have to think about that with our kiddos. So like I said, that the felt safety thing really needs a whole, like a whole series of podcasts because there's so much to it. But just being safe does not mean that your child feels safe. Okay. So I'm going to finish up with this, with the role of reason And I'll probably start here next time before I go into my first instead of tip. But another reason traditional parenting doesn't work is that kids from hard places often have little to no cause and effect thinking. So that's what traditional parenting relies on, cause and effect thinking. If you do this, then this will happen. And like I said, I'm just kind of ending on that. But if you're thinking about that, like, oh my goodness, she's right. Like, I didn't realize that my child, like someone posted that on my Facebook page when I shared a little bit about this. She's like, oh my goodness, I realized my daughter doesn't have cause and effect thinking. So I will start there next week because I know I'm like cutting it off really short. But next week I'll start with the roller reason and then I will go over the first instead of tip. So thanks for joining me today on Positive Adoption, and I will see you next week. Bye. We're so glad you could join us on the Whole House Podcast. Please subscribe and leave a review. Follow us on our Facebook page and on Instagram at the underscore whole underscore house. You can also follow us on thewholehouse.org by email to receive our newsletter and keep up to date on things happening at the Whole House.